You're listening to locally produced programming created in KUNV Studios on public radio, KUNV 91.5. The content of this program does not reflect the views or opinions of 91.5 Jazz and More, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, or the Board of Regents of the Nevada System of Higher Education. Good morning, and thank you for joining me for The Scoop with Tanya Flanagan. I'm so happy you decided to wake up and start your day with me. Here on The Scoop, where we talk about life, joy, funny moments, trending topics, and so much more. We promise to keep you in the know and find out what you know. So, let's get started. Happy Sunday morning to my listening audience. Thank you once again for waking up on this beautiful day to spend some time here with us on The Scoop. I am so delighted to have a dear friend and a beautiful person in the studio with me this morning to talk about, well, a little bit of everything. Please join me in welcoming Aisha Goins to the show today. But before I let her say hello, I'm hoping that she blushes a little bit over her cup of coffee. Um, Her birthday celebration is today. And as I was thinking about her, she's been so many wonderful things to me and to people in the community and to the community as a whole. I thought, what is a way that I could honor this magnificent, dynamic, diverse woman? And I thought a man on the street segment of The Scoop would be so cool. And I thought, who can be my first man on the street guest? Aisha Goins. So I wanted you to know that that was the um, inspiration behind this. It's kind of a happy birthday to you and a moment to publicly celebrate all that you are. And I think also uh, because you've done so much to share with the community a lot, because I think they'll learn a lot in having today when we have this conversation. So Aisha, thank you for waking up this morning and having your cup of coffee with me. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's early, but thank you for having me. Well, I appreciate you, you know, rolling over and climbing out the bed saying I can do this. And, you know, um, it's radio. They can't see me. So still wear your pajama bottoms if you want to. Um, So today we're going to have some fun. You are the founder of Black Joy Consulting. Yes. Which is super cool. Tell us about this. Um, So Black Joy Consulting is like my second business. And this one was birthed out of my nonprofit. And I just saw a need that wasn't being felt, um, kind of like a political operative. And there isn't a lot of uh, black consulting firms that deal with government and politics. And so that's where Black Joy Consulting came from. Awesome. So when you say government and politics, are we talking... Um, political races, or are we talking policy, legislation, initiatives, or are we talking all of this? I think it becomes all of it when you uh, when you're in government and you're doing policy. I think you just kind of take on a little bit of campaigns, you take on a little bit of outreach because you're just really in that space and the needs show up. So if you have an understanding of government and how it moves, then clients are just kind of attracted to that. Um, And one of the things that I do specifically has to do with people of color, uh, the communities of color. And that would be and when I say communities of color, I think people just assume black people, but the people hiring me know. So I do some Latin outreach. I do some AAPI outreach and I do black outreach. 
Okay, so you're covering the the whole gamut, um, which I think is great because it doesn't um, it makes you um, have a listening ear to so many different communities. So after you do that kind of work, are you ever on? Um, I know you're on task specific projects. Um, who's been the most embracing? Is it just across the board, or um, as a black a, woman, do you feel like? I guess what I'm question. saying is it harder? <laughs> you you know where I'm going, and I'm trying to go nicely, but you know it's hard. voter apathy yeah. is so <laughs> real, right? Yeah, so, yeah. and you know. Full disclosure, I've been in a couple of campaign races mm-hmm. and part of my joy and love for you comes from the time you gave to me helping me with a campaign, with outreach and just mobilizing people. Right. But when you look at especially municipal races, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the city council races in some spaces, people don't come out right. like right. You'll have someone get elected with sixteen hundred votes when two hundred and fifty thousand people right. or let's say um sixty five thousand people mm-hmm. could have voted for that particular race within those that city jurisdiction and you have sixteen hundred people make the decision of who's representing them. So is yeah. one group versus another more apathetic or do you just find that it's different issues that hold people back no matter what? It's always so that's a great question. Um, in the last five years, I've seen an evolution, right? In original, when I originally came into political work, it was about the um, politician. It was always about the candidate, right? And who that person was that could move our agendas forward. In the last five years, we've evolved and now it's issue-based. People are issue-based. Mm. So one of the, um, one of the things that I'm seeing with my clientele now is, they're specific to issues. They're, they are, I'm interested in this, and I'm interested in this, and these are the candidates that are interested in this. And can you amplify this? And in amplifying this, this candidate will, you know, get some press because they believe in this. Um, and I think that's where we're, I think this campaign, you know, just because we're dialoguing about it, I think this campaign season coming up, the candidates are going to be hard pressed if they're not considering the issues of their constituents because these constituents are. We used to have constituents that weren't necessarily uh, educated because there was a lack of information. Right. But now we are in an information um, world where this mm-hmm. is an era of information so that everyone has access to do their own homework. And if these politicians and these candidates aren't focused on the issues of the people, the heartbeat of the people, they're not going to win races. And to your point, people aren't going to show up and vote for them because there's no need or no desire to vote for that person because they're not interested in their issues. And that's the clientele that I'm picking up is a clientele that, for example, I have a client right now. And um, because this is one of the clients I could actually talk about, (laughs) but I have a client (laughs) right now. And their issue has to do with menthol cigarettes and how that negatively impacts communities of color. Mm -hmm. And they have a candidate that is specifically lined up with that specific issue. Right. And so the idea is to bring um, interest and to garner um, allies for that issue that will also fall in line with that candidate. But if we're not considering those kind of if candidates are considering those kind of things, then it's going to be a tough race for them. And no one's going to show out because. These young people, they're interested in what they're interested in, right? Mm-hmm. Like my son's 19, and he he don't even believe in the presidency. He thinks that, you know, he says the people wanted a king, and so they got the king. But he thinks there should be a true democracy. And these are the new voters that we're talking to. And these voters, they're registered to vote. Because did you, did you right. see the new poll? The new poll is 
that there are more nonpartisan and libertarian voters than there are Democrat and Republican voters. It was really interesting now that, you know, in you bringing that up, it was really interesting to see how people um, in very influential spaces like clergy, um, people consider community activists, whatever, right? Um, examined ballot issues and evaluated things to make a decision and then thus further influencing the congregation Mm -hmm. or the audience that they had a foothold on, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And as you were talking, I was like, oh, so you answered the question that was going through my mind. We have a more, in a sense, we we have a more educated voter base. Yes, Absolutely. Um, because they're driven now by issues. Mm-hmm. And if the issue resonates with them, um, I, it's funny because not going in a personal space, but there was like a campaign, right? And healthcare was the focus. Mm-hmm. But at the time that healthcare was the focus, we weren't focused on healthcare. Mm-hmm. And it was in the wake of COVID. Mm-hmm. But now we, I think people, and I, I hear campaigns or commercials, right? And the commercials are very focused on how healthcare is so important. Yes. And people get it now that they finally connected that yeah. maybe there was such a um, COVID has such an impact on our lives and it was directly tied to our overall health care. I agree. Yeah. And time has passed. So there's a connecting of a dot. I guess there's enough information out there to draw these conclusions and for people to pay attention to healthcare as a subject differently than it was a subject at the time. Mm -hmm. Because we had so much of the unrest and turmoil going on in our country as we were navigating COVID Mm -hmm. too. Um, I think that things you do, you just, it's it's a fascinating space that you live in because you wear (laughs) this hat. So, you know, we just got through talking about political campaigns, but you also do some, some community mobilization, which Mm -hmm. may be in the same vein, but working with the NAACP, but also working with kids, but you do fun stuff too, like scavenger hunts to get people to engage culturally. Yes. So I remember one time you did a scavenger hunt where people had to learn the history of the community by participating in a scavenger hunt. And I was like, that's a really cool and unique way it was actually to educate people. So where did that come from? It was actually an environmental justice uh, scavenger hunt. So okay. this is the funniest thing about that. So, <sighs> so it wasn't a blend? It wasn't. It, it was, felt like a blend. Well, we <laughs> blended it because we wanted to make sure that the community bought into the idealism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the that's the difficult part of, I was actually with Make It Work Nevada when we did that. And that was a collaborative uh, idea. But that is the job of what my consulting firm does. Like one of my clients right now. But doesn't that check into the apathy portion? Like Absolutely. So like here we are Absolutely. Saying, I'm saying, oh, you had a cultural scavenger hunt, right? Uh-huh. And you're saying, no, we had an environmental Yes, but that's hunt. why I'm making that. That's the reason why I'm making that correlation because correlation, because that's the work that I do. What I do is that's really why people hire me. They want what they are doing to be relevant to the persons that we're trying to reach. Right. Mm -hmm. And that means that you have to do things uniquely different. So I'm never. um, So, for example, I have a uh, I just launched this cigar club. It's called Three Little Birds because I like cigars. 
But the point of watching about those birds in a minute, because I'm just not going to get a three little birds cigar club. Like, what do the birds have to do with the cigar and the ash and tapping and whatever? But we're going to find out about this in a minute. Go ahead. But I I launched. So this is how you make through lines when you're a consultant. Right. I launched the cigar firm because I have a client that is a, a cigar lounge. And so it gives me more value to my client to have something that sticks there. But you have to do that through line and be creative at it. So this is why people hire me is because I'm always thinking of not I don't do business as usual. Well, I don't even know how to do business as usual. So that's really you are not linear. Yeah, I'm not. Because I don't I always say if I'm going to do the work, I'm going to have fun at it because work's hard enough. Right. So and that was about to bring me back to (laughs) what we were talking about, because I didn't do. I did the scavenger hunt, right? Mm-hmm, okay, so mm-hmm. my girlfriends and I got up on Saturday morning and we went out, people, and we we got some matching t-shirts and we suited <laughs> up. We we even th- we did so much. We stopped at a candy store. <laughs> we got candy. We got earrings. Mm-hmm. We got all this uh, t-shirts, matching earrings, and favorite candy, so we could get through the scavenger hunt because lunch was coming after the fact, mm-hmm. and we had kind of had breakfast, but not really. And we didn't necessarily do the scavenger hunt with uh, a commitment to, I think mine was probably more a commitment to, oh, it'll be cool to to show what we know about the community. It was based in the historic West Las Vegas yes, area. Yes. Um, but I don't think that it, it all was with an understanding or a thought process of the environmental responsibility associated with it. Yes, we took some things away. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I can't say that that was my because I, I now do stuff with the Sierra Club. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a real proponent for environmental consciousness. I understand. The, I always understood, but I have had another an opportunity to look through a lens and see a different view of how committed certain people are to environmental issues that I think we just take things for granted, granted. except the one that is burning us up right now, which Which is is climate change, mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. So people are very in tune to climate change because we're on fire Mm -hmm. and we're worried about water from one minute to the next. Mm -hmm. And, but we're not thinking about all the different components. Right. And Um, so one of the things that we highlighted in that is when you were talking about the candy store, that was actually an asset. And what we were highlighting is the small business assets in the community. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, also, candy store lady. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that, uh, if you notice, when if you remember when you got there, we had boxed water, and the purpose of the boxed water was to bring your mindset back to the importance of not using plastic. Mm-hmm. So there were subtle, mm-hmm. there were little, little subtle things that it, <laughs> one right. of the things that we had to do is you had to walk from one point to another, and what we were highlighting is there were no sidewalks. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And I remember we planted, we went to the garden and um, we got a plant. We got some potting soil. Mm -hmm. The idea to um, greenery and reinvest, grow your own. Mm -hmm. And then also um, greenery puts oxygen in the air. And then when you're in in that area, because you did this in historic West Las Vegas, historic West Side, there are a lot of heat islands. Yes. And that's a huge conversation yeah. right now. We talk about kids and being them being asthmatic. Yeah. So, so we were highlighting the shade also. Right. So in, in that moment, <clears throat> the funniest thing about that is we had a couple of people leave that scavenger hunts and get their own home gardens. And so that's when you, yeah, that's when you know, like cool. the work that you're doing is being impactful. It's not, I'm not looking uh, at Black Joy Consulting. I'm never looking at whether or not what I'm doing in that moment has value 
to everyone. I'm just looking to impact the one, right? If I can impact one person all the time, consistently, then I know that I'm, you know, doing a good job. Although, you know, <laughs> the measurement now is, you know, numbers, but uh, I believe in the concept of five by five. So if I can impact five people, they'll impact five people, they'll impact five people. And so you can, you know, be collective and actually have some effectiveness. But, you know, <laughs> on I mean, the business. I agree. I agree with you on that. I mean, <laughs> Because you're not ever going to please or reach everyone. But right. if you can touch one person, it starts the domino effect of, mm-hmm. of having an exponential effect. And mm-hmm. so you have to start somewhere um, to engage. I used to do the Young Professionals Organization. So yes, started well, the Urban you, League. You didn't just start it. You're the reason why half of these people are here. Like there are like, you know, I don't want you to overshadow that. There is a generation of leaders leading right now because of young professionals. So, you know, congratulations on the Thank work you. well done and keeping people um, invested and engaged because that also is its own task. And I, I you know, I don't, since you left, I I think they starting again now. <laughs> they are trying to rev back up. The, it'll be what the second rebirth. But mm-hmm. you know what, what was cool about doing the Urban League Young Professionals when we did it? The National Urban League has a group called Young Professionals. And across the country, they number over 15, probably going toward 20, 25,000 um, professionals between the age of 21 and ideally 40, now it's about 45, that do community outreach and direct service engagement to bridge the gap where the nonprofit Urban League and any other entity, be it government, be it private, whatever, to bridge the gap to give disadvantaged people. but And in some cases, just people mm-hmm. who might be undereducated about something, mm-hmm. what they need in order to make a difference in the community, whether it's giving back to kids in school at various ages to um, improve academic outcomes, mm-hmm. helping people understand how to be first-time home buyers, mm-hmm. um, improving financial literacy, um, civic engagement, uh, participation in the voting process mm-hmm. and policy and issue change. They're doing this work, right? And when we were doing it, it was so effective that all of the other chambers came to find out how are you doing this? Mm-hmm. And we, I sat and had meetings with them to talk about, because you know, the Metro Chamber has a young professionals component. Do they? They have a, um, yeah, they do. Hmm. The um, Latin Chamber looked into it. The Women's Chamber looked into it. Because it's also the seed yeah. for future growth. Yes. So you have to have your next generation mm-hmm. in line to make sure things keep going. So thank you. This is your day. Thank you for acknowledging. Um, so that's, you know, we're two two great sisters. But I want to circle back to the little chirping birds. What's the three birds? Why three birds? A so a cigar the, club. <laughs> so the three, there is, uh, I am uh, what they would call a cigar aficionado. But I'm relatively new. But I love cigars. Mm. And um, I also have clients that own lounges. So if I say meet me there, you'll beat me there? Every time. Like matter of fact, when we leave here uh, this morning, <laughs> I will be going to change to be at the lounge for my birthday. But um, so one of the things that uh, I found out is women are one of the black women specifically are one of the fastest growing demographics of cigar smokers. OK. And that's the, news to me. Mm hmm. 
but the business hasn't learned to cater to us yet. No, it's very much a male activity. Yes. It's very much very mature men yes. get together and smoke cigars. And my clients, um, they don't know how to tap into that. And so, you know, I sat down with a couple of lounge owners uh, from actually all over the nation. And, you know, we talked about not just lounge owners, distributors, brand owners. And we talked about like what need, what asset was missing. Mm-hmm. And they said that one of the assets that they were missing is um, women focused reviews, women focused ideas, women focused clientele. And they just didn't, they didn't know how to do that without um, bringing in the party substance and the lounges aren't made for party, right? They didn't want to lose that culture because there is a culture in cigars. And so I started Three Little Birds and Three Little Birds actually is uh, because I come from marijuana. Okay. And Three Little Birds is Bob Marley's Don't Worry, Be Happy song. Oh, I love this. Don't worry about a thing. Yes. So that's actually the name of that song is Three Little Birds. And so I wanted to bring in an element of where I came from into, you know, something that I'm doing new. And that's how that's where the name of that uh, cigar it's actually a social club. <laughs> I love it, though. Um, it's super cool. It reminds me of one day I was sending a text to a girl, a girlfriend and she was saying, God bless you and have a good day. And it came out, go, go Bugs Anointed. And I've always wanted to use Go Bugs Anointed yes. to name something. So at some point I'm going to do that. Um, maybe it'll be a book. I have no idea yet, but I've always wanted to. It's one of those little quirky things yes, happen, but yes. they stay with you. They, yes. And I've always wanted to do this. So I think the three birds yeah. is super Three cute. little birds. Three little birds. Is when cool. I found out that that was the name of that song, mm-hmm. I was like, what? That's just bizarre. Like, even you when know, you, I thought the song was, I don't know. Don't yes, worry about don't it. Worry about a thing. thing. So when I found out that was the name of the song, the name of that song, it's been in my head for years. And to your point, I was mm-hmm. like, one day I'm going to name something Three Little Birds. And so being able to start a women's uh, s- social club, that gave me an opportunity to use that name. And, and you know, it's my tribute to Bob Marley and to the marijuana culture. Um, as I... I don't want to say so are you I'm evolving. Exiting. I'm evolving. That's I, what I, I should I hear say. Some, some evolution <laughs> in there because for the longest we have always, I have long associated you with um, cannabis. Yes, and so the, for the last introduction seven years, of cannabis into our yep. community and um, whether it's business, uh, growth, um, <laughs> legal aspects. I mean. Um, equity and fairness, access for people. You have been on the front lines, really making sure people who want to work in that space or who are, um, whether they're the business owner, the worker, whatever, how they're impacted, they have an understanding and they have representation in Mm -hmm. spaces where, because it's overwhelming to start a business. It is. And it doesn't mean that when you're starting something, you have the time to be in Carson City talking about how the rules (laughs) are being formed that govern what, what you stepped into. So you have been like that champion to say, hey, hold on, think about this. Yeah. But why, um, what made you do that? You know, that's a funny story. So, um, ooh, and I was a consultant for uh, one of a cannabis, well, actually the first cannabis business in the city uh, dispensary. And, uh, you know, I was given an ultimatum. You you said you wanted, you know, my mentor at the time, he's like, so you want to change the world? Well, this is changing the world, right? So I moved into, uh, I helped launched one of the first 
cannabis industries in the city, which also happened to be black owned. And uh, in tw- that was 2013. And then in 2014, we worked on the, uh, I worked on the campaign, the Yes on Two campaign at that time, which was legalized marijuana, uh, like alcohol. And I actually went against my mentor at that time. He wasn't for, he was for decriminalization and for legalization. He just wasn't for the laws as it related to the business industry. And I was pro decriminalization and legalization because that was in the best interest of my community. And I went against his thoughts and his ideas at the time. And, uh, and I, when I worked that campaign, I didn't get paid. And I need to say that openly because that was one of our conflicts is he thought they had given me money, but they didn't. I didn't get paid to do that. I did it because I thought it was in the best interest of my community. And I didn't take the money at the time also because I didn't like the way that they were presenting the information to my community. So I didn't align with their talking points. Mm-hmm. And that's why I didn't allow them to pay me because I believed in that, but I wasn't going to use their talking points to do it. Um, so what happened was um, I decided when I went against my mentor and he told me I was wrong and it would bite me in the bud and blah, blah, blah. I made a vow. No one knew this, but I made a vow to my community that I would work for my community until I could, um, until my community had enter, entered into the industry. So I made a vow to my community. Mm-hmm. I wanted to stay good on that because my vow to my community is the same vow to my Lord. And so that's what got me into the industry. And I did that. I started a nonprofit. I still do it. I just uh, focus more on the policy component and I don't I'm not in the forefront of the um, nonprofit anymore and I'm not doing a lot of forefront work. I think that it's important to um, mentor and support more young people that are uh, they have more energy to do the work. I understand. That's where the young professionals are for me. <laughs> I started that, although I like to think we still look young, Yes, when I really was that young. Um, it's a lot to unpack there. And it's a show in and of itself to talk about. <laughs> it really is because it's like we're throwing out this taste of conversation about how um, cannabis equity evolved mm-hmm. um, primarily in the African-American community. Yeah. But there's the other side of that that also talks about how cannabis um, was unveiled historically yes. in African American yes. communities. The stigmas, the uh, legal ramifications mm-hmm. that have gone on with this. So that's a that's a conversation mm-hmm. that we might you know want to return to one day um, or not. But it but would be maybe, my pleasure. But it's a conversation that I think to really give it its um, just mm-hmm. its justice is it's like the cliffhanger. We're going to leave you with that because we want you to come back for more at some point and hear more from Aisha. Um, we're closing in on it's amazing how fast time flies when mm-hmm. you're having fun and you're talking about good stuff and to good people. But again, it is your birthday. Yay. And I know today is going to be fabulous as we as many people in the city who love you come together to celebrate um, you and all that you do and just your fabulousness. And I want to say you. thank you for spending, getting the day started with me. Happy birthday. If I could sing, I would sing to you. I should have gotten <laughs> someone lined up to serenade you this morning. I have a, a friend who sings very well. He could have given you a serenade this morning, but we're not going to torture you with my talent or my lack thereof. Happy birthday, thank beautiful you. woman thank of you. Black Joy Consulting. Uh, so many things. Um, and so many more things to come. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for having me. Happy birthday. 
Thank you. 49th year. So it's last year in my 40s. And proud to tell us how old she is because yes, I would not tell you that. <laughs> I'm at that point where I start flipping the numbers and reversing them. That's what I do. But we're going to toast some champagne to you later today. Yes. Tip our hats, tell you you're fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to everyone out there for listening. I hope you've learned something great. And um, what's your social? How do people keep up? Uh, yeah, you Before can find me at Coach AG. That's Coach Aisha Goins uh, on all the social medias. And then uh, you can find me at Aisha Goins. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty easy to and find. And that is A-E. Is it, is it A apostrophe? A-E-S-H-A-G-O-I-N-S. Okay. And at blackjoyclub.com. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Everyone have a wonderful day and a great week. Bye for now. I want to thank you for tuning in to The Scoop with me, Tanya Flanagan. And I want to invite you to get social with me. I'm on Facebook and Twitter. My name is my handle, T-A-N-Y-A-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N. You can also find me on Instagram at Tanya Almanize Flanagan. And if you have a thought, an opinion, or a suggestion, don't hesitate to shoot me an email to tanya.flanagan at unlv.edu. Thanks again for joining in. Stay safe and have a great week.